Well, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 1 once again. Luke chapter 1. We were there last week, and we are returning back to Luke chapter 1. I would imagine that most of you have a favorite Christmas song. Um, I've said this before, that mine is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I just love the doctrine that's captured in the lyrics of that song. Just listen to a couple of the stanzas. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all, ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. Mild He lays His glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Well, some of these words and truths are seen in our text for today. And so I want you to see that in the second half of Zacharias' prophecy, beginning with verse 76 to 79. Follow as I read. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give to His people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And may God add His blessing to the reading of that portion of Scripture. As I mentioned last week, Zacharias' prophecy is known as the Benedictus, which is a Latin term for our English word, blessed, which you see beginning verse 68 there. This was the song of praise after not speaking for nine months. Just think about that. So as we read this portion of Scripture, remember that. He is speaking these words after nine months of not speaking. And it was the Holy Spirit who came upon him to deliver this song to us. And verses 74 and 75, which we looked at last week, are a great transition into the next stanza which we just read. He is moving from a national redemption to a spiritual redemption. In the first half of this song, Zacharias highlighted the Abrahamic and Davidic covenants. But in order to realize these promises, the nation of Israel needed a salvation that is described in verses 77 to 79. Well, his son John, who was just born, would have the privilege of preparing the way for the Messiah who would bring this salvation. I want you to look with me at what it says there 
in 76 and 77. And you, child, he's now speaking about his son, John the Baptist, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his way to give his people the knowledge of salvation. He was declaring what had first been said by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 40 in verse 3, and then repeated by the prophet Malachi some 400 years earlier. In fact, if you go back to Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, before there was 400 years of silence, it says in chapter 3 in verse 1, Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And so this has now come to fruition, hasn't it? As we read this portion of scripture. It was a glorious day in the lives of the parents of John. There was an excitement in the air. The kind of excitement that we today should have during this holiday season. Amen? Absolutely. It's about the blessings of salvation through Jesus Christ. That's why there should be excitement in the air. (laughs) Because of the blessings of salvation, which Zacharias is going to go on to talk about here. So I want you to consider with me three important blessings. And I trust your heart will be filled with joy today, not only this season, but also throughout the whole year. Because it's not just meant for now. (laughs) It's meant to be experienced the whole year around. These wonderful blessings. And these are Blessings that we have talked about over and over again. But it's good to be reminded of them, isn't it? And you're going to see them today as we walk through this passage of Scripture. And the first blessing is found there, declared there in verses 77 and 78. Again, what did the prophet Zacharias say? To give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, which with the sunrise on high will visit us. And so what is clear here? What's the blessing? In salvation, you have what? Forgiveness of sins. That's the first blessing that he declares here. Forgiveness of sins. John the Baptist's ministry was to point people, particularly the Jews, to the Messiah. Or the sunrise from on high, which is declared there in verse 78. In him, they would find forgiveness of their sin. You know, last week I read from Ezekiel 36, verses 24 to 28, about the new covenant Well, I want you to look with me at a similar text in Jeremiah 31, which essentially says the same thing, but in a different way. Turn with me to Jeremiah 31. We're going to look at verses 33 and 34. 
Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, 33, and 34. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them and on their heart I will write it and I will be their God and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. That word forgiveness there speaks to a dismissal, a release. You see, sin requires spiritual death, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what God told Adam in Genesis 2 and verse 17. If you disobey me, you will face death. And then you go to chapter 3 of Genesis, and we see that both Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And immediately they died. They were separated from God. They died spiritually, and then they began also to die physically. It says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is... Yeah, it's death. Spiritual death. But forgiveness brings a release of that debt, O oh God. It brings a dismissal of that debt, O oh God. This is the demonstration of His tender mercy, His great compassion offer those who repent, which He speaks about there in verse 78. That's to what John called the people to consider their forgiveness of sin. In fact, look with me over at Luke chapter 3, where it says these very words concerning John the Baptist and his ministry. Luke chapter 3. And he, speaking of John, came into all the district around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for what? The forgiveness of sins. Paul says in Colossians 1, 13 and 14, For He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What a blessing that is. I think so many times we just take that for granted, that we've been forgiven. But here you have Zacharias reminding the people of what they would experience from the sunrise on a high, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Forgiveness through Him. Yes, this is a rich blessing. I shared this little account with you before by William Barclay. He said, once President Lincoln was asked how he was going to treat the rebellious Southerners when they had finally been defeated and returned to the Union of the United States, the questioner expected that Lincoln would take a dire vengeance But he answered, I will treat them as if they had never been away. (laughs) That's forgiveness. That's forgiveness. It's a dismissal. It's a release that we owe God, but it's been owed for us by God. Beloved, I believe you would agree there is nothing like having your sin debt dismissed by Jesus' grace and mercy. Amen? 
Yeah, there's nothing like it. He's able to do this because why? Jesus took our sin debt for us. <laughs> yes, Romans 5 and verse 8. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He took that sin debt upon himself. He was born to die. And that's what we celebrate at this season. This is what we remember today as we partake of communion. It all comes together just as Matt was saying earlier. I trust this morning that you know forgiveness of sins. I trust you know that. But it could be that there are some here this morning who do not know forgiveness of sins. And maybe you're under great conviction by the Holy Spirit as you sit here. Oh, by God's grace, will you turn to Him? Repent and know forgiveness of sins. Know that wonderful blessing that is being offered to us freely in His Son, Jesus Christ. The sunrise from on high? Yes. And so I pray this morning that you know this first blessing that Zacharias talks about here. Forgiveness of sins. There's another blessing there in the first part of verse 79. As Zacharias continues, what does he say? To shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. What do you notice here? What's the next blessing? And indeed, it is a blessing. In salvation, you have light for your soul. (laughs) In salvation, you have light for your soul. The sunrise from on high, Jesus the Messiah, brings light to those in darkness and facing the shadow of death. He's the one who illumines the heart to its sin and reveals the way to life. You know those words from Isaiah 9, verse 2, where it says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Then verse 6, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Yes. Malachi refers him to the son, S-U-N, of righteousness. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Beginning with verse 12. Matthew 4, beginning with verse 12. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, 
the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land and the shadow of death, upon them a light has dawned. Amen and amen. Jesus even said of himself, both in John 8, verse 12, and in John 12, verse 46, what? I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. That was the message he came with. And so he delivers the soul from its sin. And upon doing such, he helps hearts see the truth so that they might understand his word and walk clearly in the path of righteousness. Just as Paul said in Ephesians 5, 8 to 10, For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Again, what a blessing this piece is. Amen? Yes. The Son of Righteousness has come to bring light to our souls. I believe that many of you can testify to those days when you were lost, groping around in darkness, and then Jesus, through His Spirit, convicting you of your sin and pointing you to Himself. He gave you a new life, accompanied with a new mind. To understand His Word. And He gave you a new heart to follow after it. What a rich blessing. That light that has come to our hearts through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what happened to me. I grew up in a Christian home. I heard the gospel for many years. But was never saved until I was 16 years old. The light (laughs) came to my soul. Revealed my sin and my only hope in Jesus. And then He changed my heart. I could understand His Word like I never understood it before. And I wanted to obey Him like I never did before. That's why I love that old hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found was blind, but now I see. That is our testimony of salvation, is it not? Amen. That's the miracle of salvation. And so let us not take this for granted. But during this Christmas season, let us rejoice in its wonderful reality and live in the light that Jesus has mercifully and graciously given to us. And so for blessings in salvation, you have forgiveness of sins and peace for the soul. Now, Zacharias is not done. He went on to share one other blessing right there at the end of verse 79. As he goes on to say, to guide our feet into the way of peace. To guide our feet into the way of peace. What's obvious? In salvation, you have peace with the Savior. 
peace from the Savior. It's the sunrise from on high once again. Jesus the Messiah who brings light directing one's feet into the way of peace. When we speak about peace here, the Greek word is irene. Speaking to wholeness, completeness, rest, contentment in God. That's what's captured by the Hebrew word shalom, from which we get our Greek word irene. This is what Zacharias was talking about and first applying to the nation of Israel, as did Isaiah in his prophecy. Isaiah 54 and verse 10, where it says these words, For the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. But ultimately, this peace is for all who are justified, declared righteous by God, and thus reconciled to Him. Isn't this what Paul said in Romans 5.1? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Peace with God. This then results in a serenity of soul, a calm assurance of being right with God, knowing safety and security. It's hope! (laughs) It's hope. M.R. Dehan shared this little story. Two artists set out to make a picture representing perfect peace. The first painted a canvas depicting a carefree lad sitting in a boat on a little placid lake without a ripple to disturb the surface. The other painted a raging waterfall with winds whipping the spray about. On a limb overhanging the swirling water, a bird had built its nest and sat peacefully brooding her eggs. Here she was safe from her predatory enemies, shielded and protected by the roaring falls. This goes right along with something that Swindoll also wrote about peace. Peace is that calm of mind that is not ruffled by adversity, overclouded by a remorseful conscience, or disturbed by fear. Yeah. Remember those words that Jesus shared with his disciples? That wasn't too long ago when we were in John 14, where it says these words in verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And then later in 16, verse 33, he says, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Beloved, again, what a blessing this peace is. Amen? Yes. And by the way, it is God who takes the initiative and brings it to our hearts. He's the one who takes the initiative. We are simply recipients of His mercy and grace. Look with me at 78 and 79 again. Because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us 
to shine upon those who sit in darkness to guide our feet into the way of peace. Yes, it's Him who takes the initiative. I'm so thankful for that this morning. It's no wonder the angel and angels declared what they did to the shepherds and worshipped. Look with me over at Luke 2, in verse 10 and following. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Verse 13. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. What? Peace among men with whom He is pleased. Yes, in salvation, you as believers have peace. Your souls should be thrilled in this holiday season, really. And all throughout the year. If not, I would say that there's something wrong in your hearts. There is. If you're not enjoying the peace of God in your hearts that comes through salvation, that rest, that contentment, living each day with that hope in your heart, there's something wrong. Could it be that it's disturbed by sin? That's possible. Could it be that it's distracted by things in the world? There's lots of distractions at this time of year and all throughout the year. I appreciate something, really, that Bill Guise sent me this past week that was a good reminder to him. This was something that was written by Eric Erickson, entitled Reset. This is what he wrote. In the anxiety and anxiousness of the present world, we can stay informed, we can stay engaged, but we have to remember something vital. We need no king. No political savior and no political party to win. We have already won because Christ is king. He has won and he will return. We've won. Let not your heart be troubled. Do not be anxious regardless of electoral outcomes, political leaders, wars, rumors of wars, and the troubles of this planet. Victory is already ours. It is, as they say, darkest before dawn. The troubles of the world seem to be spiraling out of control. Darkness seems even darker than before. But he draws near and the light is coming again. So do not fear. Do not be anxious. God is sovereign. This is all part of his plan. Yeah, that's the way we should look at things and live in the peace of God. If we don't, yeah, we're going to be distracted. And that's not where the Lord wants our hearts. We live every day with our hope in Him. You know, there are so many blessings that accompany salvation, some of which we have not even realized as of yet. (laughs) And there's more than than what I recorded and shared with you this morning. But Zacharias highlighted three for the nation of Israel and for us, the church, by way of extension. Forgiveness of sins, all right, light for the soul, and then peace from the Savior. Wow. 
That gives us something to rejoice in throughout this season and throughout the year, doesn't it? Let us not forget those rich, wonderful blessings. How could we be depressed? (laughs) How could we be depressed? Even in trying times. And so as we go into communion this morning, let us meditate upon God's goodness to us. Know His joy and worship Him. All right? Let's pray. Father, we just thank You for this song of Zacharias, reminding the people of Israel then and to us the church today of the rich, wonderful blessings of salvation. Oh God, please, by Your grace, through Your Spirit, help us to be reminded of this always. Help us not to forget. Yes, in this day and age, as it was then, there are things to distract us. But there's an excitement in the air for those of us who know Jesus Christ. We have forgiveness of sins. We have light for our soul. And, oh God, we have peace. I just pray that, Lord, these would be upon our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen.